Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the Race for the Case on the Yahoo College Sports Podcast. I am Pat Forty, and I am winning the picks. And I am joined by Pete Thamel, who is not winning the picks. Uh, we did up the ante to three beers per game differential for the month of November, and I game up three beers ahead after this last week. So that puts me a whopping 13 ahead. I'm basically Alabama LSUing you, Pete. I, I hope you can handle that. I actually don't think, considering how bad I've been, I really don't think but you should be proud of how far ahead you are. Like, I really think you should have toasted me like I was some directional Louisiana school going to, like, Florida in week one. It, it should be, like, 59 to 3. I, I think you need to do some soul-searching today and really, really pick better because you're playing down to the quality of your competition at this point. Like, you should be so much further ahead of me. I'm uh, I'm disappointed. I could Costanza out here, pick the opposite of everything I want to pick, and beat you still. That has to scare you somehow in the back of your mind. It, it does not scare me. I can tell you that. But, but I, I yes, I, I have I've taken my foot off the gas pedal. I've gotten complacent with the big early lead, and uh, so it's time to to buckle down here today. And I, I intend to do that. Uh, not a great slate of games. You know, this isn't a huge weekend. Next weekend's not a huge weekend. The one after that, Thanksgiving weekend, huge weekend. There's going to be a lot going on then, but this will be the top teams basically trying to hold serve, trying to maintain position for the playoff. Uh, some other teams scrambling for bowl eligibility, you know, teams that are looking to make a mark with a big upset. Uh, we've got some pretty big point spreads, three, 14 or more that we're going to pick, and then a couple of closer games. But let's start with the biggest point spread of the five, Peter, and the game that you are covering in your backyard. Clemson, B.C., how far is it from your house to Chestnut Hill and Alumni Stadium? So it's probably only like eight miles, mm. but it's like not – there's no direct way there. So I have to like go past it on the highway, get off the highway, and wind back. It is not like a next-door situation or where I can like throw on my backpack and walk to the game. Okay. Like it's uh, – it is – it is Chestnut Hill is its own little town. It, it's in like the Newton area, kind of a tonier area outside Boston. The important thing to note for this game, the biggest buzz of the week by far that I've seen. And I haven't been in town. Uh, I just got back. But the the thing all my friends who went to BC or go, have BC season tickets are most excited about is athletic director Martin Jarmond 
killed off for this one special exemption game, the age-old rule where you can only tailgate and enter the premises two hours before the game. Oh. It has been moved to four hours. Oh, so if you're ever out. wondering why why BC games are buzzless, they are both buzzless because there is nobody there, and then they are buzzless because people don't have enough time to get a buzz on before they go. So I just started getting texts from uh, some of my Friday friends who go to BC games and such just – completely like Martin Jarman move mountains, Martin Jarman, like they want to put him up in Mount Rushmore uh, now. So for the uh, drinking set in Boston is nothing, if not a great drinking town. Um, that is just, that is just big news for people to come there. I guess they could go to game day, but they really, if you really want to want to rock in and uh, the, the, the thought is that allowing them to do that may, the BC crowd is notoriously late arriving. Because mm. everybody's in the parking lot, right? Um, as Rich Thompson from the Boston Herald said to me before the Miami game, when there was nobody there at the start, he said, "Yeah, they like to get one more Captain Morgan in before they come in the pack. <laughs> so, uh, they'll have plenty of time to have plenty of Captain Morgans before the game, and uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully it'll be a spirited atmosphere. This is like a once a decade thing up here. I uh, I've not been boots on the ground to quantify the excitement, but." Uh, Got some texts from some people up at BC today. They're building the game day set. There is excitement building. I will say this. The BC student section, most of whom aren't from Boston, showed very right. strong for the Florida game. I'm mm. sorry, for the Miami game. Right. Um, and then part of that, like, of the tepid local crowd was it was game three of the World Series. Gotcha. Now, if they had known ahead of time the game would have gone 18 games, they still could have watched, like, 12 <laughs> innings after right. the game ended. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was it was a pretty good atmosphere for Miami. Miami didn't put on much of a show, so... I do think it'll be a uh, be a fun night up here. Should be awesome. No, that's great. Um, you know, because as you said, big big games are kind of few and far between in the Northeast. Yes. And as you wrote uh, over the weekend, you know, they get get two of them here. You get this, and you get Notre Dame Syracuse next week. So it's good. I'm you know Martin Jarman. You're a hero to many. Way to go. Now we'll see if the Eagles can live up to it. They are getting a lot of points. They're getting twenty point five against the Tigers, but the Tigers have been a runaway train of late. Pete, which side of that line are you getting on? As much as I'd like to uh, continue pushing the narrative, someone say irresponsibly over the two weeks of the fortnight of Northeast dominance that's coming up here, <laughs> um, I am going to have to go to my uh, Southern sensibilities here and uh, take the Tigers with the points. This is a very nice BC team. Uh, AJ Dillon... What we know of him is that he's at least not going to be 100%. Uh, he didn't play in the fourth quarter against Virginia Tech last week. He's been dinged up. Uh, he's obviously their best player. Clemson's defensive line, and really they're off. You know, yeah, I just can't see BC controlling the point of attack. And there's weaknesses in their secondaries that Trevor Lawrence should be able to exploit. I will say this. I just checked my handy-dandy weather app. In a low of 34 on Saturday night with some wind, that notion would certainly help the Eagles who have a nice passing attack with Anthony Brown, but I would I would term it pedestrian, and they certainly don't have the skill. They also have very small corners for the most part, so they're going to struggle to cover those Clemson receivers. So um, it would be fun if the Eagles surprised me and uh, slugged it out with old Clemson. And they have played Clemson tight at times during Adazio's era there. I don't think they have the juice on Saturday, and I, I think Clemson wins 31-10. to 10. Yeah, okay, so you're covering them by a half a point. All right, that's uh... – Hey, i got to show up there, Pat. I can't <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
<laughs> I'll pick them by 50. No, let's I'll pick them by I'll pick them by 28 or 30 or 35, something like that because Okay. These are the scores for Clemson since they had the near escape against Syracuse and they had to play the third string quarterback Chase Bryce since then. These are their scores against ACC competition: 63 to 3, 41 to 7, 59 to 10, 77 to 16. Yeah, this is a road game, and this team's pretty good, but uh, I will lay the big number and think that Clemson is good enough to cover it just because I am sold on Clemson. I, I think they, they flipped that switch uh, heading into October, and, man, they have played like a different team. And I, I did something in the 40-yard dash. Their statistics are very comparable to Alabama's, and we've all seen how dominant and talked a lot about how dominant Alabama is, but I don't know whether we've appreciated enough the uh, the dominance of Clemson here in especially the last month. So we are both taking the Tigers there. Apologies to the uh, plucky Eagles. Hope that the fans do get enough Captain Morgan in them so that they don't uh, get too down when the when this gets out of hand. All right, game two. Let's go to East Lansing for that game and probably another game where the weather will be sketchy at best. Uh, Big Ten weather. <laughs> yeah, we'll have some... I, I would hope. I want this game to be, you know, so I want the weather to be in the 30s. I want there to be some form of precipitation or wind and fans, you know, just like wrapped up trying to stave off misery. Uh, <laughs> that's what we like when it's Ohio State at Michigan State. And Ohio State is a four-point favorite on the road. Michigan State, <clears throat> you know, they've had some good moments. They've had some bad moments. They've been very inconsistent offensively. They've been very good defensively, which you expect from a D'Antonio team. But uh, uh, Ohio State has not been great, obviously, as we've seen. Um, you know, they they have struggled through. They struggled through most of October. They were sloppy last week against Nebraska. Uh, just really, they they have not been clicking the way we really expected them, and saw them for for part of September too. But uh, anyway, huge game for Ohio State. Obviously, trying to stay in the playoff race. Uh, Michigan State, one of those programs that they love knocking off the higher-profile ones, and they're one and one against the high-profile teams in their division right now. They beat Penn State. They lost to Michigan. They'd love to make it two and one, I am sure. Pete, which way are you going? Ohio State laying four in Spartan Stadium. I am a little torn on this one. Uh, it is tricky because Ohio State has played poorly the past few weeks, uh, defensively especially. They have looked like they're missing a spark in some ways. Uh, but also searing in the back of my mind is the image of JT Barrett picking apart that Michigan State defense in Ohio Stadium last year. It was 48-3 to last year. Um, and it was one of the, the grand eviscerations of D'Antonio in his whole time there. And so part of me says, okay, Ohio State struggled in spots on offense, but like, what can Dwayne Haskins do here? You know, who's obviously a, a, a you know more accomplished thrower than, God bless him, JT Barrett. So I am... And again, Michigan State has done just enough to trick you and to think they could win this game outright. And then they've done, you know, they, defensively, they've been good enough where you're like, okay. But they also gave up 31 to Utah State, 35, I'm sorry, 21 to Indiana. Um, Northwestern punk 29 on them. Like, you know, but they, they played well defensively against Purdue. I am going to take Ohio State on the fact that they can outscore Michigan State. And Michigan State's offense, 
with some quarterback churn there and some general impotency and inconsistency this year, I don't think they will be able to score with them. And I think Ohio State wins like 28-17. Okay. All right. You, you went to the impotency there. That's the, You see all those commercials for Cialis and all that stuff on the, the football games. I'm not sure we want to go down that route. But <laughs> you go right ahead. <laughs> uh, I am a... Uh, I don't even know what Cialis was, Pat, so you're really leaving yourself <laughs> yeah, open there. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Wetzel and I on the old podcast used to make endless fun of those stupid commercials where they're each sitting in side-by-side bathtubs holding hands like overlooking a canyon. It's the <laughs> dumbest thing on the face of the earth. Since, since you brought up Wetzel and our, our faithful listeners who do uh, listen to all three of our shows every week are probably interested to know at the end of our uh, of our post-rankings podcast Tuesday night, we, we poked some fun at you, Pat. And one of the big questions that I invoked was, do you actually have the technological proficiency to download the podcast you did not partake in and listen to it? Not sure. Uh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever tried. Uh, I just make the podcasts. I don't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know what? I hear the whole thing because I'm on it. I don't need to and, rehear and it. Really? Do you really need to listen to Dan and I when you don't have to? When you exactly. Get, get, get out of jail free card, going to cover a game. So, I get a okay. break from you guys. That's... I just didn't want our listeners to think I was mean. I was just accurate. <laughs> Very accurate. Anyway, all right, so you're picking Ohio State. I'm taking Michigan State. I think they not only I cover, I think they win. Yeah, I I think this just sets up well for them. I'm just not impressed by the way Ohio State is playing. You made some good points about, uh, you know, Haskins throwing against a secondary that was not good last year, but it's a better secondary this year. And I expect them to be able to at least minimize the amount of damage Haskins can do. Uh, will be interesting to see what they do at quarterback for Michigan State. As you said, I mean, Lewerke has been dinged up. He hasn't been very effective. Rocky Lombardi started one game against Purdue and played very well. Uh, threw for 318 yards and two touchdowns. So, yeah, I liked him. I thought he was good. Yeah, yeah. Gave him a spark. He's a feisty dude. Um, so we'll see what they do there. But I, you know what? I think this is a, this is a classic grim Big Ten defensive slog for the most part. And... Um, it's going to end up low 20s, I would say 24-21 Michigan State I'm going to take. Uh, Is that a noon game? It feels like it should be a noon game. It does. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll have to check check schedule on that. But it, it, it I'll check. It would be perfect, actually, for it to be noon yeah. and, and possibly sleeting. Yes, concrete uh, sky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of ear earmuffs in the crowd, <laughs> puffy north faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Michigan State fans with, you know, frostbite setting in on their cheeks. That's yes, yes. Alcohol poisoning brimming inside them. <laughs> All uh, of that. It is a noon game. It is Sweet. a noon game. Sweet. Get your mimosas and your uh, hottie toddies ready. Outstanding. All right. Well, we're different on that one. You are going with the Buckeyes. I am going with the Spartans. We'll see how that one shakes out. That's a three-beer game, as in all as are all of these now. Okay, uh, Pete, you wrote about Notre Dame's quarterback situation this week with Ian Book being injured after taking over for Brandon Wimbush, and now we're back to Brandon Wimbush uh, as the Irish play their last home game of the year against Florida State. Uh, We'll see what effect the quarterback situation has there. We'll see if whatever the weather is in East Lansing is probably be very similar to the weather in South Bend, so that could be an issue for Florida State 
from the sun, Sunshine State. The other issue is that Florida State sucks. So they've got to overcome that. <laughs> is that uh, problematic if you want to win a game? <laughs> it is problematic. Probably more problematic than the weather. Uh, yeah. Seminoles are getting 17 in Notre Dame Stadium as the Irish try to stay in that playoff top four and stay undefeated. Pete Thamel, your analysis, please. Well, I'm desperate, and I know you're going to take Notre Dame. So <laughs> I am going to stand on the table for the Seminoles in an effort to catch up and, and exploit your inability to put me away in our great American case race. Uh, I will say this. I do actually have an argument for it other than throwing up my hands and trying to like, trying to like hold on to the back of the bumper as you're running away from uh, in this, in this case race. Yeah, I can't if wait you to look hear this back, argument. If you look back at Notre Dame's three games with Brandon Winbush, which I happen to do in pretty good detail in that, uh, in that column this week, I mean, they were awful. They almost lost to Ball State, and Ball State dominated the ball. And they, I believe they scored no points in the fourth quarter against Ball State and six points in the second half against Vanderbilt. Now, Vanderbilt has a decent defense. Um, I can't tell you much about Ball State other than they might fire their coach, and uh, they're, they're, they're generally pretty bad. But if you look, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame you're going to pick is the one that's averaging 38.3 points per game with Ian Book and – 491 yards a game with Ian Book and the reality of Notre Dame with Brandon Winbush is they were just straight up mediocre and the the most amazing stat out of that and it wasn't like I you know needed a nuclear uh degree from uh Notre Dame to to come up with it was that w Winbush only completed 55% of his passes and Book completed 75% of his passes he leads the nation in that and Chip Long's whole offense is predicated on rhythm, it's predicated on tempo, and it's predicated on accuracy. Brendan Winbush does not have accuracy. Um, Dave Clawson told me that the biggest difference, he played them in week four. Dave is obviously the Wake Forest head coach and an insightful guy who I like to call for X's and O's stories um, just because he's, he's a very, very analytical mind and he's good at breaking down games. He basically said that the best way to describe Notre Dame Winbush to book was essentially that when you defended them with Winbush, so much of what you defended was what happened when the play broke down. But at the same time, they missed a lot of plays within the design of their offense. The way they're designing things now is the way they're being executed. And I thought that was a nice way to put what the difference between it was. So I think that Notre Dame's offense slows a touch. I think Florida State finally shows some pride, right? Like if there's one thing that's been lacking watching Florida State games, and I've picked against them numerous times for my lock of the week, so I actually have watched way more of them than I would than their performance has dictated. Like I just didn't see a whole lot of energy, a whole lot of Les Miles would call it chest. I didn't see a whole lot of like Willie Taggart stalking the sideline, firing guys up, and this is their one window of relevancy. This is their one moment that's left uh, I believe they're four and five if they want to go to a bowl if they want to have one some shred of recognition so part of me is taking Florida State to cover on the fact that Notre Dame's offense will be slow to tick and part of it is I'm betting on Willie Taggart and the boys having a pinch of pride so is spread 17 and a half uh 17 17 all right I'm gonna say it's gonna be uh 37 21 Okay. Well, that's, that's standing on the table there, baby. 
They're going to cover by a point. Woohoo! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just, again, we've talked about this a few times. And you and I have s- gently sparred on it. Like you would, you in like late September, were like nobody's going to lose the rest of the year that's undefeated. And I still harbor the belief, which history dictates, that somebody's going to lose. And this game suddenly was thrust in front of us as now a possibility when before it wasn't a possibility. We should also watch and see if the line shifts too. So I'm definitely taking the 16 and a half now. Yeah, I'll, I I'm, I still I don't think it's a possibility that Notre Dame's going to lose this game. Uh, right. Who was the quarterback when Notre Dame played Michigan in the biggest their biggest win of the year? I'm trying to remember yeah, who was that. It was it was Brandon Winbush, and oh, he generally played. Pretty it was. Bad. Oh, he was he was pretty damn good for the first half. Second half, eh. But uh, Brandon Winbush, look if you're if you're going to have your starter hurt, have a backup who's experienced, who's been in big games, who's won mm. games for you. He's twelve and three. He's a yeah. good player. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I feel fine send, sending him in there against a Florida State team that if you're looking for pride, well, the last two games lost 59 to 10 and 47 to 28. And if you want a little weather forecast, 31 and snow for Saturday in South Bend. So I think everything points to not just a Notre Dame win, but a Notre Dame romp. Uh, I think, I don't think this will be a difficult game for them. I think I'll be, I bet Florida State will struggle to score 10 more than 10 points so I, th- I think Notre Dame gets up and gets out of there they're gonna they're gonna win 31 to 10 I will say and uh and roll on this is a potential six beer swing game. if the Buckeyes and the Seminoles come through for me here so just pay it attention is. to that this careful listeners I am due <laughs> <laughs> yeah you are that that's for sure Okay, uh, let's go to the Southeastern Conference and actually the oldest rivalry in the South. Auburn, Georgia. They've played like nine gazillion times. I don't have the number in front of me, but uh, that's the crossover game that they always play in the SEC, and it's a tough one for both schools, especially for Auburn when you already got to play in the SEC West and you get Georgia on the other side. Last year they played twice very memorably. Uh, Auburn shocked the pants off of Georgia in between in the in Athens. I'm sorry, not in Athens, in Auburn, and then Georgia got the comeuppance uh, revenge factor in the SEC championship game and routed them. Then Auburn's been one of the bigger disappointments in the country this year. Georgia uh, looks like it certainly got well last week against Kentucky, clinched the SEC East, but still playing for playoff ramifications. Uh, Georgia is a 14 and a half point favorite between the hedges against the Tigers. What do you think, Pete? You know, I feel like Auburn can cover here. Um, Auburn's defensive line is one of the more underrated units in the country. Again, they're a mess on offense. Gus Malzahn needs to like go into offensive rehab in the offseason <laughs> and just change how they're doing things because with the talent that they have, they should be better than they are. Which it, it's it's very uh, it's very simple, and Jared Stidham has to be like, man, I could be like the backup in Seattle right now or something, and you know he's just sort of you know wasting away. I think they had 13 yards rushing against Texas A&M. Um, that said, I feel like Georgia really struggled against LSU, which did not really have that great of a defensive line, and I feel like that the inability to get the run game going can get Georgia and Jim Cheney into some bad play calling habits, which we've seen in the past with uh, relying a little too much on the arm of Jake Fromm. So I feel like Auburn will keep this game sneaky close for a little while and they'll lose 20 to 13. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to agree with you just because I, I, that hook there, 14 and a half 
And I just, you know what, Malzahn, you never really know because they've been all over the board this year, but they do look like they started playing better after the Tennessee loss. The last two games, they've been pretty good. You know, they won pretty easily at Mississippi, and then they beat Texas A&M, which had been ranked. And Stidham played probably his best two games of the year. Uh, He was... Uh, 215 yards, 59%, and a touchdown, no interceptions against Mississippi. And then 239 yards, 62%, two touchdowns, no interceptions against A&M. So if he plays like that, they got a chance to keep it close. I think Georgia will win. Uh, I, I would hope that Jim Chaney got the message against Kentucky by running the ball down the Wildcats' throat. I mean, they they really pounded them on the ground, and you would think they would realize, hey, we should perhaps stick with that as long as we can. <laughs> but we'll see, because as you said, Jim Chaney moves in mysterious ways sometimes with his play calling. So I'm going to say Georgia wins, Auburn covers, let's call it 27-17, to 17, something like that. Uh, and the Bulldogs move on and stay in the playoff picture, and the Auburn fans go back to howling and outrage at their coach that they gave a gazillion dollars last year. By the way, someone like Cam, someone just posted on a rival's message board, like Cam Newton, lover 47. We've only played seven gazillion times, <laughs> not nine. Check your facts, Pat Ford. That's right. I'm sure of that. <laughs> I apologize to Cam Newton lover 47 or whatever you said his name was there, but I am sure that that transpired. Speaking of most of Kenny Rogers, 51. Did you see, did you see, by the way, speaking of, of Auburn fanatics and tangentially Alabama fanatics, the, the dead spin story today about the Argentine who burned his neighbor's house down over a, in a fight over a soccer rivalry. I saw that you tweeted it and made a reference to that uh, to that rivalry. Yes, um, I said, don't give the Iron Bowl fans any ideas. Yes, Alabama. yes, yeah, down with arson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and tree poisoning. Yes, and, you know, assault and battery, any yeah. of that stuff. Let's not. Wasn't there an Alabama fan that died after a bar oh, fight yeah. in LSU game? Did I see that? Uh, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, yes, yes. Somebody yeah. got beaten to death. A guy in his forties by two guys in his twenties. I mean, a horrible story. Horrible. <sighs> That's like, awful. Seriously, people. It is. Seriously. People. It's football. Right. Relax, have fun, have a beer, and listen to this podcast and take it easy, all right? Out yeah. there. Okay, we're going to give you guys one more game before we get to our lock. Pac-12, Washington State, the surprise best team in the league in the top 10 in the college football playoff rankings, going to Colorado, thin air, Thin hopes for the Buffaloes, the way they've been playing lately. Washington State, six-and-a-half-point road favorite. What do you think there? Man, I mean, look, I just picked Florida State, so you probably can't take anything I say seriously. Uh, But, I mean, Colorado's lost four straight games, and they got blown out by Arizona, and they got beat, and they're just like, just gacked away an all-timer against Oregon State, and they were beaten soundly by a mediocre USC team and a good Washington team. Um, I feel like the Pirate figures it out here. If only so we can see his uh, his his rant uh, about the, uh, the 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 love and wonder of live mascots. <laughs> I don't, did you catch that yeah. this week? Oh, yeah. It was great. It was it was pretty unbelievable. I actually ended up talking to him for a story, a feature story I was down in Texas for. Um, 
last week and he actually like expounded on it for like it was the day he said that and so i made a joke about it and he went into like his statistics in the roman coliseum of buffaloes versus cats and all i remember is he was like i think the, the the cats wear out quicker and i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna not go down this rabbit hole or buffalo <laughs> hole or whatever it is so long live mike leach long live gardner Minshew. i think uh Colorado has lost its heartbeat and the Cougs roll. Yeah, not going to disagree with you there. Um, I think uh, I, I think this could be a spot where Wazoo would be susceptible if Colorado were up to it. But yeah, I think they went in the tank with the loss to uh, Oregon State. The other big factor for them, their best player, LaVisca Chenault, receiver, who has caught 60 balls this year. He hadn't played in three games. He got hurt against USC and uh, has not played since then. Uh, they have the, did you the, put your Chenault for Heisman, uh, t-shirts up in the attic for, you the, know, for it the, was for the winter? Yep. Right. Yep. You were Time riding that train hard. I give you credit. You look smart for, for a good run there. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was great through mid October and then, yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, I, they have not said whether he's going to play this week or not, but if he is, he's probably not going to be full go. So I, I think that, and just Colorado looks like team. Yeah. The, the, the helium left the balloon. The balloon is flat. And uh, the pirate goes in and gets best of large buffalo. So I actually thought if he won the Heisman, you would you would show up on the pod wearing dreads. <laughs> I may just I may show up as his like hype man at the Heisman. You know, if, <laughs> if, if he could have kept it going, but alas, next year, baby, he's got one more year of college. He's got to come back. So I will be on the train then. All right, Pete, lock of the week time. Your locks have certainly been better than mine. Mine have just been a train wreck, but uh, yeah, you've been, you've, well, you've been riding your your alma mater, Syracuse. Oh, uh, I'm going right back to them. I'm uh, not even. I'm not even. I looked at the games this week, and I was like, I think it's nine. No, it's twenty one against Louisville. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Louisville is flat quit. Yeah, and they they can't. They could stop like a you know, I don't even know what they couldn't stop. They yeah, they they are just they're just absolutely ghastly and. Syracuse's offense, I don't think Syracuse is that great. I think Notre Dame, if Ian books back, can uh, easily handle them in Yankee Stadium in two weeks. But, um, yeah, I mean, this Louisville team has shown – talk about no hope, no heart, no anything, uh, no quarterback. Uh, you know, Brian Van Gorder has been in the witness protection program pretty much since he got fired from Notre Dame, actually, because um, he has just not had a positive impact. So anyway, I think careful listeners of our podcast and readers of our copy would know the feelings on Louisville's current season, because I actually almost apologized for including them in the 10 takeaways last week when they uh, when Clemson hung 77 on them. So, yeah, and it's senior night. Uh, Dino Babers actually asked to, uh, the fans to stick around. I thought this was a nice touch. Uh, he wants the fans to stay after the game so the seniors can do a lap around the dome. He, oh, it, nice. it, they did it last year. It's like a new tradition. And mm -hmm. he had a good quote the other day. He said, this class will always be remembered as the class that turned it around. And quite frankly, there's been a lot of bad ball there. So, yep. And they really haven't been selling out. It's not really a football town up there. Um, so... Give those kids credit for pulling Syracuse out of the abyss of irrelevancy and look for Eric Dungy, who's had a gutty career and, and overcome a lot of injuries to, uh, you know, let's put it this way. They're not going to take the foot off the gas at 55, right? And yeah. their backup, you know, DeVito, the backup may be better than Dungy. So, yeah, I, I, will, I will go 63-21. Yeah, I'm not even sure you need to have the foot on the gas to roll over Louisville. Uh, you That's, know, true. It's, it's, That's true. That's true. You can roll matter. over him in neutral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
They, they, you want to talk about a team, yes, that has quit. They, the, you're wildly optimistic, uh, hoping for a shred of pride from FSU. There's no reason to even go there with, uh, with Louisville because they are done, done, done. And the atmosphere I live in Louisville in town is completely like, we are so over Bobby Petrino. Please end this. Uh, I think they'd be happy if he left like tonight, but he's, he's, he's apparently going to keep going through the season. We'll see after that, but it is really bad. So since you brought up Louisville, by the way, Dan and I discussed on the podcast that like they should, they should guide tours around town through all the businesses in Louisville who've been implicated in scandals over the years. So <laughs> the famous shell station, the Galt house, um, Porcini. Yes, Porcini's restaurant. Like yeah. you could really, you know, oh, an, yeah. an, an entrepreneur. And then Kentucky fans would go on the tour. <laughs> you know so. what? Hey, if this podcast goes badly, there's my <laughs> next career. There's my next gig. If I'd been gambling on the games that I pick, I'd actually probably have to do that. <laughs> you to would make need money. It. So, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, honestly, I was going to pick Syracuse, but in in a show of great charity, I knew you would, so I let you. <laughs> It's all uh, I have, Pat. It's all I have. <laughs> yeah. It's no, the that, only thing my alma mater's done for me. So um <laughs> That was a blinking neon sign of Layam on the Syracuse uh Louisville. Yeah. So I, I don't blame you there. So what I am doing instead is perhaps committing handicapping suicide here by taking Fresno at Boise. The last time Boise was a home dog, I don't even know. It's been at least a decade. They have gone at least 10 straight years playing as a favorite every single game at home. And they are not a favorite this time. They are two-and-a-half-point dog against a Fresno team that is really quite good. And I I would love to see a Fresno-Utah State Mountain West championship game. I think that would be a lot of fun. Utah State's been awesome this year. Yeah, like They've blown everybody out. Right. Matt Wells would be a good name at Kansas. Sure. It would be a great offense against a really good defense. These are the point totals for the last five games that Fresno has given up. Three, three, seven, 20, and three. I mean, they have just suffocated people. And they lost that Canadian D.C., right? Yeah, they did. Whatever they're doing, it's working. They've been really good. Jeff Tedford, again, just underrated coaching job. Brilliant work. They've won. uh, They're eight and one. And they're also, uh, as fate would have it, eight and one against the spread. So, yeah, I am taking them. Boise, by the way, uh, in the last two-plus seasons, almost three years against the spread is, let me see if I get this right, 4-12 and 12 against the spread at home. So, while they yeah. win there, they don't cover there. And so, I'm saying Fresno wins and covers and keeps rolling. It's the blue turf factor. It moves the line. Yeah, it is. It is. Everyone's like, oh, Boise, they must be good. Yeah, they've overrated that. You know, everybody just said they got that kind of perma respect mm. of, of of owning the league, and they don't really fully own the league anymore. No, so. they've, they've lost more league titles than they've won since they entered it five, six years ago. Yeah, yeah. So the bloom is off the blue rose a little bit. All right, those are our picks for this week. Uh, thank you for joining us. I uh, hope that uh, we, we we illuminated you, entertained you, and perhaps uh, enriched you financially eventually. Uh, we will be back with the Monday Overreaction podcast after the weekend of games. So we uh, hope you listen to us then. Thanks very much, everybody. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Nice. Jing, ding, 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 ding. Jing, ding, 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 ding.